The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This is the Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network. The following contains mature subject matter, coarse language, intense situations, and is meant for an adult audience. Listener discretion is advised. Even in retirement, your work can still seem to haunt you. Bleeders Digest, issue number 24, The Last Serial Killer, part one. This is The Last Serial Killer, part one of three. This story is called The Last Serial Killer, written by Chrissy Fox and Chaz Bono. And my name is Poncha Muller, and I play Detective Brian Walker. I'm Chaz Bono, and I play Dr. Hunter Grayson. got a big package outside the door. I see that. Who do you think it's from? Woo! You've been having some fun tonight. From your smell, I guess, whiskey. It was my uh, retirement party. Oh, congratulations. That's wonderful. You in the mood for a nightcap? Not tonight, Lynette. Just in a friendly neighbor kind of way. Fuck. Oh, did you open it? What is it? I've been dying to know over here. Looks like some old movies. That's sweet. Okay, well, good night, handsome. I'm here if you change your mind. Just knock three times if you want me. Hello? So I got you a little gift. Now, I spent a lot of time putting this together for you. I know you're a classic kind of man. You still use that old VCR. It's sitting collecting dust in your living room. So I made it easy for you. Each VHS has a number on it. Now don't ruin the surprise. Make sure you play them in order. All my love. 
Dr. Hunter Grayson. What the fuck am I doing? I can't. No, I am done. I've turned in my badge. I'm retired. This isn't me anymore. I'm not a detective. I'm moving on. Who am I kidding? I'm going to watch it. No shit. Of course I'll fucking watch it. Jesus. I'm a fucking idiot. Look, Walker. No legs. Just like the good old days. We're never too old to feel this good, right? I mean, really gets my juices flowing. How about you? It's been too long. I can't remember why I stopped. Oh, right. You. You, you. You stopped me. But you're not a detective anymore. And I'm fucking alive again. But she isn't. I cover my mouth. The camera scans a young woman's nude body. Blood mats her blonde hair. The incisions are precise. Almost impressive. Her legs have been removed just above the knees. Her hand is also missing. Dr. Grayson holds it up and waves at the camera. I have him. I fucking have him. After all these years, the surgeon is finally going down. I almost forget the sadness of the woman's young life being ripped from her. The joy and the redemption I will now have outweighs it all. They never believed me. This case ruined me. My credibility. My respect. And in this new chapter of my life, I will get it back. It's bittersweet. But I still want to fucking taste it. Seems too easy, right? I'm just handing you the keys to the kingdom. But there's more. There's always more. Brian, do you know what time it is? Julia, I got him. I fucking got him. You're not listening to me. I have the proof of Dr. Honda Grayson. Tonight, when I got back from my retirement party, I... Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's right. Congratulations. Did you hear me? Brian, I can't. I'm fucking done. I'm not going down this dark fucking hole with you ever again. I'm free. I'm happy. You need to leave me alone. And for your sake... Leave this alone. How do I do that? I have everything I need. I... Stop! What do you want? You lost me in our marriage. You lost all respect at your job. And out of courtesy, they let you sit behind a fucking desk the last ten years. You're a raging alcoholic. Why can't you stop? I don't get it. Let it go, and if you won't... I know you won't. Realize this fucking case has destroyed you. Enjoy your next chapter, move on, and please, from the bottom of my heart, I am begging you, 
Leave me out of all of it. Have a good life, Brian. And for once, maybe take some good fucking advice. I see myself. I feel the blood rush from my head. I sink into my chair. I remember this day. The first moment I met Dr. Grayson. Almost 20 fucking years ago. Thanks for giving me some of your time, Dr. Grayson. We're looking for someone with your expertise to assist us with an investigation. I was told you're the best general in orthopedic surgeon and you tend to specialize in amputations. If you don't mind me asking, detective, what kind of a case is this? I'm sure it's a given, but your complete discretion is a must. Of course. I'm a doctor. I'd be happy to help in any way I can. How does he have this on film? This was 20 fucking years ago. I never knew he was filming me. He's fucking sicker than I thought. Thank you. It's appreciated. We have several victims, all female in their early 20s. Killed the same way. Both legs amputated sometimes other parts of their bodies, and then displayed decoratively like it's an art piece. The women are always found nude. This right here is Nancy Garris. Hers was extreme, almost angrily done. As you can see, most anything he could cut from her, the killer did. Wow. This is horrific. Hard to look at almost. Do you believe it's a serial killer? What makes you say he? We just assume it's a he, given the victims and clearly someone who is larger in stature. Right. Well, what can I do for you? You haven't been following this one on the news? It's become a pretty big story. I don't watch the news. I like to spend my free time on other things, more spiritually elevating and healthy things. Oh, okay. Well, any thoughts on the wounds? How it was executed? This was expertly done. Immaculate work. I mean, the killer clearly knows exactly where the arteries are and how to hit them and avoid them. You see, both these women, he cut right through the femoral artery, but he did it last. Right here, possibly he clamped it off cut around the artery, which would keep them alive and in agony the longest. My guess is once he finally cut them, that's how they died. They bled out quickly, but likely in extreme pain. Hmm. Do you think I could see the bodies in person? You seem impressed. I am a little. I can feel my stomach turning. What is his goal here? Why is he playing with me? I still have one more tape. Fuck! I don't know if I can handle much more, but I have to know. I'm glad you could come over tonight. I really needed the good company. Can I top off your drink? Shit, I remember this night. Never thought he'd have a tape of it, that it could come back and haunt me. It was a fucking alcoholic low point. Passing out in this condo. I was fucking disgraceful. This is where it all turned bad for me. 
Cheers to a new and inspiring friendship. You got some weird fucking art here. Yes, thank you. It's actually my work. An outlet of sorts. Clears my head on the rough days. Baby. I'm going to bed. Join me soon. I'll be in shortly. You been together long? Oh, we're not together. I met her the other night. Sorry about the topless thing. She says she hates wearing clothes indoors. It was fine by me. You have some life. I can't seem to balance work. Gotta have your outlets. Speaking of that, why paint people cut to pieces? Paint what you know, right? It's all how you see it. Art is subjective. That's the beauty of it. Like this one, for instance, looks like it has real blood and hair. Perhaps it does. Pubic hair, to be more specific. What the fuck? Art imitates life, right? What the fuck are you saying? We've had a lot to drink tonight, but you know me. You see me. You've always seen me. You just needed me, so you didn't want to believe it. You always have to trust your first instinct, or they'll come back and get you. You're fucking him! Yes, I am. I'm fucking him. <laughs> but you know that. Don't play dumb. You inspire me, and I inspire you. More of Bleeder's Digest, issue number 24, The Last Serial Killer, part one, after this. What did you do? I, I, I don't feel right. Here, lay down. I, I don't, uh, I don't. I watch Grayson lean into my younger self. The camera doesn't pick up what he whispers to me, but it all rushes back to me like a flood. I remember fucking everything now. Just breathe. I've given you twilight anesthesia. Don't panic. I can reverse it when the time is right. I wanted you to see it, the whole show. Now don't try to move. I've also given you a mild paralytic. I wanted to have this experience with you. You're awake. You're with me now. But you won't remember a thing. Holy shit, he drugged me. But it looks bad. No way to prove that. I look guilty. It's hard to watch. My eyes are open, still watching him. But I don't respond. I don't move. I couldn't. I'm trying not to vomit as I watch Grayson, better known as the surgeon, tightly wrap her head in the plastic. She struggles, suffocating. He secures the plastic over her face by wrapping duct tape around her neck. She's right beside me. I'm not moving. I don't help. No one will realize I couldn't. As she kicks, Grayson pulls out a surgical knife and begins cutting into her thigh. Blood sprays all over the plastic, and her muffled screams create a soothing, dark mood music. I can't look away. Blood splashes on the flannel I'm wearing. So, 
what I like to do here, Walker, now I know you like to learn new things, is create a simple incision to get it started. It seems like a lot of blood, but believe me, it's nothing like what's to come. She will soak us in her juices. Now when I get to the bone, I use a bone cutter. Brace yourself. It makes a terrible noise. He snaps to the bone of one of her legs. He was right. It's nauseating. Grayson continues to cut and tear into her flesh. In a short amount of time, the woman goes limp. A disgusting sound escapes her. She's gone, murdered up against my still body. I'm a fucking homicide detective. They were right. I'm a fucking disgrace. Grayson looks directly at the camera and smiles, blood dripping from his cheek. I stare. I can't move. The tape cuts, and it's him in present day. Really brings you back, doesn't it? I hope you're ready to do this all again. There's no me without you. And I'm closer than you think. What the fuck was that? The apartment is dark. I'm not gonna lie, I'm scared. Fucking spooked to my bones. The sound came from my bedroom. The closet. Jesus Christ. I open the closet door slowly and peer into the darkness. Hanging in my closet is the fucking flannel I was wearing in the video. I could see the woman's blood stained through the fabric, even in the dark. Not even faded after all these years. When I woke up that night there, there was no evidence of her or the murder. I never knew. I wasn't wearing the flannel when I came to. It was gone. I never asked Grayson. I was afraid of what may have been done with it. I just got out of his condo as fast as I could. I went to work and tried to build a case on him. The case that got shut down by everyone in my peers. They thought I had lost it, that I was insane. And now, I still can't do anything about it. He has me. I look almost as guilty as he is, even though I was right all a fucking long. What the fuck is going on? As I turn the corner from my bedroom to the living room, I can see my television. It's a video of me, tonight, watching myself passed out as a woman dies beside me. He was filming me. He was fucking here the whole time, right behind me, and I never knew. I turn and the hairs on the back of my neck stand up as I realize my front door is wide open. Grayson left it that way. Lynette, the neighbor's on the other side of it, watching me from the hall. Her hands cover her mouth in horror. She's seen everything. Me, Grayson, a woman being murdered brutally on television. Fuck. I can't let her go. Everyone will know. No one will believe me. They never have. I know what I have to do. I feel like him. But this time, I'm not afraid of it. I'm not disgusted. I'm determined. Almost excited. That's fucked, I know, but after all these years, he got under my skin. It's what I know, as Grayson said. This is my art. 
my second act. And Lynette was in the right place at the right time. Last Serial Killer Part 1 Written by Chrissy Fox and Chaz Bono Guest starring Poncho Moeller as Detective Brian Walker Chaz Bono as Dr. Hunter Grayson Featuring Chrissy Fox as Lynette, Julia, and Woman Engineered by Chrissy Fox Production and sound design by Chrissy Fox Theme music by Tyler Connolly, Chrissy Fox, and Trevor Shand Bleeder's Digest is created and curated by Spider One Chrissy Fox, Trevor Shand, and Lauren Shand Subscribe on your favorite podcast provider to never miss an episode. Bleeder's Digest is a presentation of the Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network. All right, it's the Bleeder's Digest. Pasha! Oh my gosh. We all have to suffer. So I'm Trevor. I'm Lauren. I'm Spider. And I'm Chrissy. And this is a very special post show. From a listener named Adelaide. And Chrissy, tell us all about Adelaide. So I know Adelaide because her stepfather, Adam, is in a few of my films. And she, when she was really, really young, came to um, one of the sets. And she was like super shy and quiet and really like not into horror or anything like that. And then she started listening to Bleeder's Digest and apparently it just made her fall in love with horror. And she was telling me that she's like, I just listened to every episode and I just love it. And it made me want to watch like every horror movie I was allowed to watch. And it inspired me to write my own story. And, and so she wrote a story and they sent it to me and it was great. And she's 11 years old. And um, it was based around her experience of starting middle school. And she really wanted to inspire other kids to, not only enjoy horror, but to be creative around it, which is sort of the most amazing part of having a podcast like this. So it kind of blew my mind. And I asked her to come down and record her story so we can include it in the post show and she could share it. And um, yeah, she's, she's going to be, you know, the next big horror director probably when she gets older. So really awesome. And we can't wait to share it with you. So here it is. Adelaide's story. Hello, I'm Adelaide Huang and I'm 11 years old. Before I started listening to Bleeder's Digest, I honestly hated horror. Like, I would not watch anything horror-related. But my dad introduced me to Bleeder's Digest. I started listening to it, and I absolutely loved it. It's such good stories with just, like, such good creative writing in it, and I honestly love it. And I heard that you can write your own story and come record it. So I just wrote a story for fun. But then Chrissy loved my story. And I was super surprised because Chrissy really inspires me a lot. And I wanted to write this story to inspire other people, younger people like me, to love horror as much as I do. And Adelaide, what inspired the story? What made you write it? Um, well, really, listening to... Um, Bleeder's Digest really inspired me, and since the school year just started and I'm a sixth grader, I thought it'd be fun to write a story, and actually some of these events kind of happened. I did go into the school restroom once and there was blood on the stall, 
but I never knew why. Nobody really told me, and I'm still curious why. And I wanted to bring adults back to their middle school time, but also add fear and unexpected horror to my story. My story is called The Problem with Fear by Adelaide Huang. People are always excited for middle school, and so is Abby. Abby is an 11-year-old girl with medium-length brown golden hair. She is the most kind-hearted and curious person you'll ever meet. Now, it's the first day of school, and Abby is absolutely loving it. Her friends are there, and she likes all of her teachers. She notices that every door has a light shining through it. She doesn't know why, but it makes her feel welcome. It's the second day, fifth period, and Abby gets a strange cram, so she rushes to the restroom before class starts. When she gets to the door, she notices it's dark. No light is shining through it like usual. She's a little skeptical, but she walks in. She sees black lights flickering slowly, and a girl her age sitting on the floor, crying. Abby asks if she's okay, and the girl points to the big stall in the left corner. Abby peeks her head through the closed stall, to see blood dripping from the walls and drawings of tall shadows, handprints, and small black bugs written on the wall in black marker. She is frightened and is about to scream. Before a sound can leave her throat, she turns around and grabs a girl's hand and they both rush out. They both report to the principal immediately. Abby's principal is a white man, tall, balding, with glasses. His name is Robert. The principal is shocked to hear this and calls all the staff to clean up the mess and figure something out. The next day, Abby returns to school, and the stubby, short-haired vice principal named Miss Maisie rushes up to her and says, Abby, good morning. The incident is all cleared up. We don't know what caused it all. Probably someone just trying to mess with us. Don't tell anyone about it, okay? Thank you. Abby is confused. Why did she say, don't tell anyone? Shouldn't they be warning people about it? Shouldn't they let kids know that there's a maniac messing up the bathroom? She looks back to see the girl from yesterday standing behind her. The girl says, Abby, my name is Melissa. Thank you for getting me out of there. Abby is relieved that everything is cleared up and that she was able to help out in that situation. But she wonders what caused it all. It's a few days later and again, Abby's stomach hurts. She asks her history teacher if she can use a restroom real quick. Her teacher agrees and she runs out into the hall. She notices that the light, blood, and pictures are all gone. She's looking at her reflection and instead she sees a shadow pass by her quickly. Abby gets startled and looks back. She sees nothing and figures it's only her imagination. She washes her hands and heads for the door. Before she can step fully out, a skinny, slimy hand grabs her and pulls her in. She screams in horror and is terrified. The tall, faint creature smiles at her slowly. The creature shows her a picture of her best friend being tongued from tall trees. The creature says, Abby is next. Suddenly, in the picture, Abby is next to be hung with all of her dead friends. The creature has been waiting for her, wanting her. She is next, waiting for someone to find her dead body in the bathroom. Suddenly, the creature fades away and everything turns back to normal. Her cramps are gone too. She is in tears and her body is shaking, so she runs out and returns to class. She tells nobody about what happened in the bathroom. 
It's a secret between her memory and her. The next day, Abby was forced to return to school. She couldn't bring herself to go. She told her parents, my stomach hurts like very badly. And her dad said, from what? She says nothing. She's too scared to tell them. Eventually, Abby returns to school and is trying to forget about what happened in the bathroom. It's sixth period, almost the end of the day. She is reading a story about World War II for her assignment. Her head starts to hurt out of nowhere, and her feet are getting numb. Her stomach hurts again, but even worse this time. It feels like flesh-eating bugs are trying to get in her and make their way out. Abby screams in horror, and the whole class gasps, and Abby is now the center of attention. Her face slowly turns pale. She has a flashback. The slimy shadow monster is showing her the picture. She starts hearing loud whispers and voices in her head, saying, Abby, you're next. She screams. She suddenly wakes up in a forest, a big forest with tall trees. She looks up to see her friends hanging from the trees, eyes popped out of their sockets, blood dripping down from their neck. Abby is in horror. When she looks back down, the monster appears again. But now, the figure has blood dripping down from its pitch black eyes, and its scaled skin ripped open. The monster says in a deep voice, You have the choice to be hung here, or to return to normal life, but face immoral consequences. As tears run down her face slowly, she thinks for a moment. Facing consequences. That'd be horrible, but Abby didn't want to die. She wants to live and be like every other normal kid. She decides to live her life but face immoral consequences. The monster then comes towards Abby and whispers, You can't go back now. Then, she is pushed to the ground and she feels like she can't open her eyes anymore and her mouth is sealed shut. She starts to hear birds chirping and leaves falling. She opens her eyes to see herself in her room, lying in bed. All she can remember is being in the forest with the monster. She looks up to her door, tightly shut. Her mom calls her down for breakfast. Abby is confused about how she is back home. Was it all a dream? She slips on her slippers. She opens the door slowly to see the lights shining from down the stairs and the smell of pancakes and bacon. She feels a bit more safe and walks downstairs. Her mom and dad are ready to eat. Her dad says, last night felt like forever, right? Or was it just me? Abby says, I guess it was for me too. Her mom says, don't worry guys. Oh, and Abby, we have news to tell you. Abby has a scared but exciting look. We are officially moving, Abby's mom and dad say at the same time. She is excited to hear the news and forgets about what happened last night. Abby says, that's, that's great. Where to? Malibu, Abby's dad says joyfully. Abby is finally at a time where she can be happy and not worry about if her problem was a dream or not. It's a couple months later and Abby's family is ready to move. Abby feels like a normal kid again and she can enjoy life. She's amazed by the new house. It's a two-story beach house with a beautiful garden on the sides. She's delighted and runs around the house exploring. When she's done, she runs up to her room to see how much space there is. She's unpacking all of her stuff, but then she thinks of Melissa. She wishes she could tell Melissa she wouldn't see her ever again. She's regretting moving now. She is missing all her friends and teachers, even Melissa. It's now a couple weeks later and Abby's lying in bed reading. She puts her book down and turns off her lamp and rolls over, facing the window. 
she thinks to herself, her life has been going so well. Why? Didn't she choose to have immoral consequences? Is the monster too far away from her? Or was it really all just a dream? She can still recognize that monster's face, the blood dripping hands and the dark black eyes. She'll never forget it. Abby feels free, but is she really? All right, that was Addie doing her story. It was so awesome. And please keep listening and keep inspiring other kids. And, um, you know, if you have a story you'd like to submit to us, please hit us up on our website because we're always looking for content from the fans. That's right. And that's at Bleeders Digest. That's D-I-E-G-E-S-T dot com. Please hit us up. It's an open door here. And for Spider, Chrissy, Lauren, and myself, stay bloody and keep digesting. 